You're listening to Everyday Saints, a podcast from the Melbourne Anglican. I'm your host, Kiralee Nicole. My aim is to feature the stories from those of all different backgrounds in Melbourne and beyond. These stories, they might make us laugh, they might make us cry. My hope is that hearing a diverse range of stories will bring us closer together and better equip us to care for one another. So, without further ado, we hope you enjoy. The person I'm speaking with today is someone who, depending on your circles, you may know already as he's someone with a wide array of connections. I'm blessed to call him a friend. Ben Howes is the National Programs and Volunteer Coordinator for the Jane Goodall Foundation. He's a musician and performer, he's a children's ministry worker, and he's a brilliant gardener and cook. He's also someone whose faith matters deeply to him, and it informs everything he does. As you will hear, he's someone who's very enthusiastic and positive at all times, and this is an amazing personality trait. But it might fool you into thinking that his life has been all rainbows, unicorns and sunshine, and the reality of his life goes much deeper than that. He's been on quite a journey. He's someone I look up to and admire in many areas of life, so I'm very excited to get to introduce him to you all today. Hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Ben. No worries, Kira. Thanks for having me. Always good to catch up. Absolutely love it. And yeah, great to be here. Christmas season, so it's a nice time to (laughs) be catching up. Yeah, I've known you for probably about eight years now. So for people who don't know you, what are some what what are a few things about you? What do you do, and what are you passionate about? Sure thing. Uh, so so my name's Ben. Um, I live in Wurundjeri Country, northeast Melbourne. Uh, growing up here as as a kid uh, in a little uh, suburb called Wattle Glen, and it's a beautiful place, very agricultural, very green. And uh, live with my family here, and I have always been a bit of a green thumb. So I in terms of like. Um, career journey. I started off as an outdoor ed teacher and um, I've ended up in um, a kind of a mix of education and uh, environmental research and conservation. Uh, and then um, I've been part of a, a local church here for, for a little bit. Um, uh, the last few years have been helping a lot in children's and youth ministry and, and, you know, investing in the discipleship and faith and life journeys of young people is something I really enjoy. Um, most weekends you'll find me playing a Colin Buchanan song at a local <laughs> kids ministry um, like service or maybe um, out on a beach mission somewhere along the coast. Uh, and when I'm not doing that, I'm hiking uh, with friends or um, maybe I'm jumping on the guitar or piano to play a few tunes. Um, and yeah, just really love being outdoors um, and particularly passionate um, about um, yeah, I, I love I love lingering. I love I love coffees, catching up with with friends over meals, um, and yeah, just just taking that time during the week to to spend time in nature and have that little quiet time with God that just sort of sprinkles um, that that devotional kind of you know richness into your life throughout the week. So um, yeah, that's that's a, a little about me. And um, yeah, massive believer in being a lifelong learner. I think being a teacher kind of helps you to live that way. <laughs> you become a better learner as you become a better teacher. And mm-hmm. 
yeah, love living in the community and moving slowly. And uh, I think, you know, the last few years, ISO has, I think, grown, probably reduced the the breadth of my relationships in my life, but increased the depth, I would say. And so given that, um, and given that breadth was already quite, quite big in terms of different communities and being blessed with, you know, a lot of, um, you know, doing life with many different people, I think that um, that extra depth in conversation and sort of intentionality around building relationships and doing community post ISO is, uh, I know, you know, blessed me, you know, significantly. Um, and yeah, love, love living locally and investing um, in the people around me. So yeah, I, I think that's a, a bit of me. Um, plus, you know, I'm just a massive fan of all things good food. And I have a ridiculous, as you know, I have a ridiculous amount of dietaries. <laughs> so um, anything like any herbal tea or beautiful flavors, I am I'm up for it. I, I can confirm you've you've cooked for me before um, soon after the birth of my daughter and it was absolutely astonishingly good. So Ben came over to my house with trays and trays of delicious food, really fresh and really nutritious and it was amazing. So I've I've been at the receiving end of that food love as well, which is great. Yeah, you've touched a little bit on your faith journey and how uh, that kind of informs you. But can you tell me a little bit about how that started? And I know I know there's quite a funny story actually as to something of the start of your faith journey. You can share that if you want. You don't have to. But um, how did your faith kind of? What was your first realization that your faith was important to you, and how did that kind of shape you? Sure thing. Ah, oh, that's such a great question. Growing up as a kid, we, my parents were really big on like the gospel comes with a house key kind of approach to life, and so I think as a kid I was kind of immersed in these this sort of what it, this kind of diverse faith community. So we had a lot of people coming through. Um, like other local uh, um, believers, uh, people who didn't come from a faith background. We had a lot of um, families that maybe uh, were coming back from cross-cultural mission and staying in our home and things like this. So I think as a kid, I kind of grew up immersed in this whole variety of different faith expressions, people exploring faith for the first time, maybe had done life with Jesus for years. And so I think that was a beautiful kind of rich tapestry in my life that I sort of was blessed by. Um, the the story you mentioned, which I, <laughs> it's really really kind of funny. Um, I, I remember it so vividly. You know, I remember. I think it must have been kids' church lessons at some point, mixed in with some nice, you know, moments of God seeing the heart of this little fella, um, and just realizing that he really wanted to follow Jesus and he really did love God a lot. And um, I must have been in grade one or two, and so this this earliest memory of mine of um, kind of you know realizing that I was in the presence of God uh was I was I was on the the humble loo at home <laughs> and where a lot of you know great conversations with God happened um and uh I was sitting there and I just remember so vividly someone was coming through the window um and I remember um saying hey Jesus you know I want you to live in my heart. And I remember it so vividly and it's hilarious. And I remember, um, you know, doing my thing. <laughs> and I just rented into the kitchen. And um, I remember being so excited. And I said to my mum, who at the time was, I think, chopping potatoes or something, uh, but something something delicious. Um, and I said, mum, 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 I've invited Jesus into my heart. And I, I just remember her. Um, she sort of paused chopping vegetables and she looked up and she said, oh, 
that's nice, matey. And she went back to chopping veggies. <laughs> Which is just hilarious. I don't, maybe I'd said it once or twice already that week. I have no idea. But I think whatever it was, God had kind of met me in that moment as a little kid. And it was so vivid. And um, I, I think, you know, f- from then on, um, I was like, hey, the presence of God is real in my life. This is like, there's something, there's there's this God, there's this heavenly father you know, in, in in our midst, in our hearts that's, that's real. And um, he loves us deeply. And there's this just real joy there right so um and the sense of being equipped by the spirit you know in everyday life so uh that was there as a kid i was really invested beautifully by you know a lot of different generations um as a and then as a teenager i sort of i think in primary school i was one of the only christians i knew of at my school so from i think from an early age there was this kind of a nice mix i knew that being a christian was something a little bit different i knew that it wasn't something that you know, everyone shared this kind of faith background, but I think being a millennial, it was kind of something that was in everyone's radar in the sense that most kids' parents, at least, had some experience of church, at least in the communities I sort of grew up in. So there was this sort of background ambience, I guess, around what it meant to live as part of a faith community and um, uh, sort of an understanding uh, that an affiliation with Christianity was something that was quite normalised, or at least most people had some experience of in their extended families. And then I got to being a teenager and in secondary school, uh, that was that was a very sort of intentional Christian community, at least more so, um, that I really benefited from beautifully. And, and there's a lot of teachers that fed into me there. And I sort of had this modeling of what it looked like to be a Christian across a lot of different cultures and languages. And then uh, when I left high school, I was I was thinking to myself, oh, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I, I loved, I knew I loved people. I loved doing life with people. I loved health and human development and, um, you know, physiology and biology and, and these things. And so I thought I'll be a physiotherapist, 100% yes. You know, education, fitness, lifelong, you know, learning all these things, getting to life with people, helping them, caring for them, epic. I did that um, for a year. And then at the end of the year, there was this, at uni in that first year science degree, there was this, um, environmental health subject we were looking it was all theoretical we didn't actually travel in the field but we looked at um, the southern coast of Vietnam and we were looking at the way the environment affected people's health <clears throat> and it was really interesting because it was the first time that I considered that the environment would affect people's health was one um, but it was also I think the beginning of me understanding that um, you know that we live in relationship with this in this integrated picture. <laughs> so, you know, we've got our relationship with God, we've got our relationship with others, um, with ourselves in the sense of understanding our identity. Um, but we've also got a relationship with creation and and God's, you know, you know, created this beautiful interdependency um, that we have with our environment and that affects people's lives in a very real way. So I think it was the beginning of that kind of realization for me, that lifelong learning that, hey, actually there's this stewardship element to life that's really beautiful. Um, and time in nature is not only time you know spent with God, deepening our relationship with Him, but it's also this really beautiful you know stewardship and caring element. We're kind of invited to care for the environment like God already does, and you know there's a lot of joy and richness in that, and a lot of groundedness in that um, in terms of our discipleship. So um, I took a gap year, look, worked as an outdoor ed teacher in Anglesey. Uh, bike riding, doing some rock climbing, some abseiling and some surfing with the kids, finish the day with a campfire and then you'd start again tomorrow with high ropes and um, maybe orienteering. So it was this beautiful place in the world to live. Yeah, we did a big youth ministry and I think there was a vocational element to that, but I think the thing that shaped my faith journey was that I was living with a community of Christians who were very different and they had a lot of agreements and a lot of disagreements and there was this beautiful sort of messiness to that community. And... Um, I think as a Christian, 
seeing the way that people were really leaning in to fellowship. They were, they were sort of, the, oh, that, that, you know, it's a bit of a uh, you know, like specific Christian word, isn't it? But this idea of like fellowship being you know, this um, leaning into each other as we all lean into God together. And there was this sense of we're all bringing different life experiences and there's a real messiness there. There's sort of real, um, real wrestlings around how to shape community. And that um, we you know, had to work through, you know, different, um, when, you, when you're living together on a campsite year after year after year, you sort of see that played out and there's really, um, yeah, beautiful, messy ways and you have to have a lot of grace on each other. And But people have this shared, you know, deep heart and desire to get to know Jesus better. And so um, I think I saw that as a, a young person that really shaped my life. And I thought, oh, okay. So um, there's a real sort of grace and beautiful messiness to the family of God. <laughs> um, and I came back from that experience realising that, um, you know, and I think, you know, having grown up at home and as a, you know, like we were saying before, having so many people coming through our home constantly from all over the world, I think it kind of just helped me to paint this sort of um, tapestry in terms of just the incredible rich diversity of God's family and just people's different, you know, life journeys of faith. And anyway, skipping ahead to today, um, came back through, uh, we, we, I know we can touch on sort of uh, one of the, like, like the carer seasons of my life as well, if, if we would like to mm. head there as yep. well, happy to share there. Um, a bit, bit of effectively um, through through caring for, a, you know, a relative of mine and, and seeing her her life. And um, I think that really that really shaped, uh, you know, a period of, of, of chronic illness and sort of seeing our dependency on God, um, seeing my prayer life dry up. Um, you know, significantly and then coming to a place of, of real crises of faith. And, you know, um, one of those, uh, you know, I guess a, a season of, you know, wilderness experience and, and God seeming, you know, a long way away. Um, I think that really, you know, shaped my, um, yeah, I, I guess I look back at that moment, that that those few years, that sort of wilderness experience. I was in my mid-20s and um, that really has significantly shaped the way I kind of see um, and I guess my, how I experienced the love and the care of God my, and, and his grace for me, um, especially in crisis times. And that, um, yeah, that was a beautiful experience, challenging, really um, uh, difficult, but beautiful. Uh, and I think in the last few years, skipping to today, I think that, um, you know, as a, as a, a young uh, uh, environmental leader, um, I think that uh, I've been able to see God God's presence a lot in, uh, and, you know, my faith has deepened as I've sort of seen God's heart um, across the Pacific, you know, sort of Pacific family, um, worked alongside Indigenous leaders and elders and sort of um, really been inspired by the way uh, they integrate their faith into uh, a lot of sort of a rich spiritual heritage or heritages um, that are, are new for me. And so, um, yeah, I'm really grateful that God's, um, you know, woven everything together so beautifully and um, yeah, getting to share life with with friends like like you guys, uh, you and your family, um, and and so and you know uh, the the local community um, has has been wonderful. So yeah, yeah, God's been taking me on a real real adventure so far, and uh, I'm I'm 29 years old, uh, and uh, look back in the last three decades, and there's so many distinct seasons, but. Um, yeah, it's the beauty of hindsight, right? You sort of see God weaving everything together, even though it seems like like just really exciting at the time. There's these themes that emerge, this richness that comes as you reflect, and that's really beautiful. I wanted to go back to uh, something you were touching on 
So you're National Programs and Volunteer Coordinator for Jane Goodall Foundation. Uh, you work quite a bit in the conservation space. And as you were saying, you work quite a bit with children and young people. And part of that's kind of an education role. From what I know of the uh, Christian community that you're in and that you've kind of grown up in, um, from I've experienced a fair bit of that as well, but the there can be a temptation to kind of uh, focus on heaven and eternity, and that's that can be a really good thing. But there can also be a bit of a a missing of the here and now and of tending the earth a little bit. You've been in that space your whole life. I think you've you've really been at the same church for a number of years for yeah, uh, last fifth. 14, 15 years. 14, yeah. 15 years. How have you navigated that and how have you maintained that passion and drive in the face of, um, I guess, possible disagreement there? Yeah, that is such a cool question. <laughs> I know that we've like explored this a little bit on our you know, many hikes over the years and, and things like this. So um, it's really fun to be able to chat about it um, with your listeners. To, it's true. It's true. Uh, I've been, uh, I'm, I'm, as I chat to you uh, at my family home here, I'm surrounded by certificates of completion piled up with chocolates and thank you cards um, and countless Christmas messages <laughs> to all of our youth uh, leaders across Australia, our environmental leaders, and uh, many of them are young people. And um, that's my work. My work each week is um, developing environmental youth leadership programs in partnership with zoos um, and uh, park rangers and uh, parks organisations across the Asia Pacific. And I love the work. You know, I love mentoring young people and helping um, grow and, and develop, you know, young youth environmental leaders who can then lead their communities and help their local environment thrive and help them to paint this picture of animals, um, people in the environment uh, we use the acronym APE in my work with Jane Goodall Institute, which is kind of fitting because Jane Goodall, our founder, has worked a lot with chimpanzees, so it's just a fun um, acronym. Plus, I love dad jokes, as you know, so <laughs> it sort of fits well. But, um, but I think just helping um, yeah, young people to build this integrated picture of what it looks like to be good stewards of the environment. Um, adding a faith piece to that, I think that, it, yeah, it's, it's so intimately integrated, I can't separate the two. Um, which is a beautiful thing. And I think that integrated picture has emerged through, like you say, many years of life um, working in the environment. Uh, I think as a young kid, I was a real green thumb. So I have these vivid memories of pre-millennial drought. So think like mid to late nineties, I'd be out in the backyard uh, surrounded by a whole bunch of um, weeds that I'd tried to plant together to look like a, what I thought was a really beautiful garden um, and I'd have this the hose on and I'd be creating little rivers and you know mini creeks you know to see and making ant bridges and this kind of thing like so I think from a young age I was fascinated by the environment um, primary high primary and high school loved it um, so much I think when I took that gap year and lived on the graduation road in Anglesey there was this sense of working with many young people from across Victoria that many of them didn't have that same exposure to the environment that I did. Many of them were very uh, adventurous and excited when it came to engaging with the environment, but many needed a bit of help engaging and exploring the environment and getting excited about it. And so I think that began my real journey of going, hey, this is really fun. I love being outdoors. I love helping young people connect with the outdoors and helping them thrive 
but we know that nature engagement is an essential part of our well-being and health as people. Built into that was an understanding as I sort of began doing research across the Asia Pacific in my years of university, working with and living and learning beside communities across Timor-Leste, uh, Southwest China, um, agricultural communities in New Zealand and working in a lot of sort of ancient rainforest and sclerophyll forest ecosystems across Tasmania, there was this beautiful kind of picture that emerged of many communities trying their best to live um, in um, rhythm with their local environment and the diversity of different um, expressions of that across the world. We live in a very um, climate sensitive area of the world, the Asia Pacific. We have a lot of island nations and so they're working in, in sync with the environment, um, caring for the environment is, is really vital um, in terms of just people's livelihoods and lifestyles. In terms of the way that came back to faith, I th you're right. We, we and in this current Australian environment, I believe this is you know changing for the better almost every every day it seems at the moment. But um, I think that yeah, the climate conversation, the environmental conversation, uh, the stewardship conversation uh, is a very ancient one, right? So I think if we, I think I, I found in terms of connection to environmental stewardship as a expression of my faith in terms of maintaining that fire. <laughs> um, I think I found over the years, a lot of comfort in scripture. Um, I think written into from the very beginning in Genesis, you know, when we have that call to God to stewardship, um, exploring words around some of those fundamental Genesis one concepts and going, all right, what does, how do the ancient readers and audiences, you know, hear this message? How has that been shaped across the years for better or worse? And what can, what goal is there to, to you know, to, to look at there? Um, through to Psalms, you know, and there's this beautiful you know, engagement with the environment and nature and the ancient prophets often talk about, um, you know, Israel engaging with the environment and, you know, this idea of Sabbath rest and Jubilee economics and giving the land good rest, you know, and that being an expression of God's love and care and trust in his generosity and his goodwill and his um, abundance of provision for his people. There's so many beautiful narratives across scripture that just help us to understand this integration of the environment as part of God's good gifts to his people. Um, and just the joy of creation that he expresses through it, that sort of, you know, lends a creativity um, or, you know, expresses his creativity and reflects that same creativity in us as people made in his image as his children. Um, so I think it's, there's so many beautiful uh, messages in scripture that have encouraged me a lot. Uh, I think understanding the connection between the environment and people's livelihoods and lifestyles has helped too. So I think having, as I kind of, you know, live and learn with, with different communities across um, our region on this beautiful planet earth that we all share <laughs> and understanding how intimately the environment is integrated into people's well-being and health, realizing that as Christians, we have a call to um, not only steward the earth, like we just sort of mentioned, but also caring for our neighbors well, realizing that caring for the environment and caring for neighbor are intimately intertwined. And so I think that's been a real cornerstone in, you know, maintaining this fire for environmental stewardship <laughs> um, in my heart as a Christian in a faith in faith communities that don't necessarily chat about the environment all that much, but um, realizing that knowing the work I do, I can articulate that that's really caring for neighbor um, locally and globally uh, in a very um, important way. And so uh, between that and, you know, my own prayer life and, and time in nature with God, uh, and conversations with people about that uh, is great. And I think there's this, like, I know we've, you know, as we've shared across the years too, I think there's this um, interesting, creative, 
it's it's just really nice, interesting thing. When when you're serving as a with a lot of um, when you're really sort of dedicated and serving as a you know a, a children's and youth ministry pastor, for example, or ministry leader over many years, and you are part of a congregation, um, and you work in environmental conversation, conservation, just having those conversations within your church community across the years is in, in itself kind of, <laughs> you know, um, it kind of, you know, creates spaces where people get to talk about this stuff, um, about the environment and caring for it. Um, and you, you find that people pop out of the woodwork, you know, and they sort of say, oh, actually, I volunteer for, you know, a local nature group or I volunteer for a Clean Up Australia Day event every year and you get to celebrate that together and it's beautiful, you know. So um, I think all those things um, have kind of shaped my uh, or, you know, kept the um, kept me excited about caring for the environment, integrating that with my faith um, in over many years. Yeah, being in a congregation. Um, and I think, you know, looking ahead that I, I, I pray and I, I, I yearn for, I think I, have a, I, would, I would increasingly um, love to see, you know, us as a faith community, um, evangelical church community across Australia even, you know, continue to engage deeper and deeper with environmental stewardship. Um, yeah, in, in our in our liturgy, um, in our, you know, worship and devotional life, um, and even just, you know, supporting our neighbours across the world and, you know, expressing our love for them. I guess bringing the tone down a little bit, as you touched on as well, you've you spent a significant portion of your life in a carer role and a few years ago lost somebody very close to you. Um, and that was a, I guess you're, you're a very positive, always a very upbeat, positive person to engage with um and that's never really changed but um my understanding is you went on a little bit of a journey under the surface of I guess understanding yeah how that kind of changed your life that experience and how it kind of shaped you how did you find that it affected you and what do you take away from it that that's yeah no I, it would be a real um it'd be beautiful to share a little about that yeah um and uh, I just love to take the the opportunity to say thank you so much for sort of sharing that journey with me as a friend, you and your husband Matt, and um, and you're um, you know across you know those those many years. Um, uh, I know I've really appreciated the times that we've been able to share, you know, in conversation over the years, and I really really treasure those conversations. So thank you so much. Hey, you're right. So for your listeners, just so you know, I'm like. You might be able to hear it in my voice, but um, a very upbeat, <laughs> enthusiastic person and <laughs> very, um, like we all are, of course, but yeah, very, very full of life, you know, and uh, I love jo joy. Uh, it's sort of take a lot of, you know, upbeat energy into the day and, and that's just who I am, you know, I um, can't really help it. And I really, um, I really enjoy like celebrating life and finding things to, in everyday life, finding sort of, um, little uh, details you know of of um of, of each everyday life that, that just make me smile i love i'm sharing those i love that love doing that and and i think very very much like an upbeat sort of um yeah, friendly uh friendly personality type and there's a lot of integrity in that you know that's that's um definitely just sort of part of my character i think and which is great and and but there, there's definitely, and, and I think as part of that, um, there's yeah, there's been this this really deeply transformative journey that I've gone on in the last few years as a carer. Um, so uh, the yeah, the relationship we you just mentioned just then, um, 
I was uh, in to give our listeners just an idea. I was I was in primary school, so I was about twelve years old, and um, our family was going to go on this big overseas trip, and uh, we were really excited because it was the first time we'd ever been overseas, and you know, I was I just remember it so vividly. It was it was so exciting. Um, I remember that at the time um, I uh, I was in grade six because we were about to have chickens and to have to get chickens or to get to earn the right to have a chicken you had to show you a responsible chicken parent so um, I had this egg that I had this raw egg that I had to keep intact all week and I had this I built this little you know cardboard box full of cotton balls and I bought my egg in and I I only mentioned that um because I remember walking into the hospital to show my mum uh, this this raw egg, <laughs> and uh, my mum was in the hospital at the time. Just before we'd gone on this overseas trip, she'd been called in because there was something, you know, the doctors just wanted to check in. And at the time, it was we didn't really know what was happening, but it, it turned out that as as us kids were there, you know, and and mum was was getting some treatment. Um, she she had um, a cancer uh, in I believe it was in in the bowel at that time, and uh, and that. It was going to be long term. Uh, we began treatment pretty immediately with chemotherapy, and uh, and you know we, we didn't at that at that stage. And although as kids we didn't realise this at the time, you know, mums expected uh, you know uh, uh, life um, uh, life stage at that point. She she was probably ex, you know potentially expected to live maybe one or two more years. Uh, we weren't sure, um, and I think I had an amazing. Uh, a couple of parents who who really were determined to uh, not let that diagnose that terminal diagnosis still still a joy you know in, in of our lives as a family that was a big thing for them like this you know finding joy um you know amidst um, a very sort of uncertain situation and sort of embracing the uh, the the time that God gave us as a family to enjoy together and and so mum ended up surviving uh, cancer. Uh, this beautiful lady who was very sort of gentle heart and um you know very very loving caring person and, and very um very resilient you know quite strength kind of person at the best of times <laughs> before even before her diagnosis um that really came through in the next 13 years so uh, we were really blessed she, she survived cancer for 13 years and it, it spread to different um you know areas of her body and that each of those different seasons of life had slightly different challenges as you know many of of, of us on call you know what um, we'll have experienced potentially with with a, f- a friend or family member um, who's experienced cancer and its treatment. But um, there was, uh, throughout that time, those 13 years, um, I, as a child, um, particularly as like an older sibling as well, um, this isn't, this is very much a general, you know, it's not the same for every older sibling, but certainly my experience was there was a, a sense of, um, you know, wanting to kind of, I guess, take up a bit of an extra caring responsibility as best I could. Um, and I think, uh, you know, seeing the way that mum's mum needed extra help increasingly so across the years with, with everyday life tasks, um, that really shaped my life in a big way. It, it meant that as a child, when you, um, it, it helped, it changed uh, life in a, in big ways, internal ways. For example, uh, I never, I re- really didn't plan ahead in my life more than maybe a year or two at most. And then by year five or six, you know, I only started to plan ahead like maybe one or two weeks. Um, and then at some stages across that 13 years, you know, you'd only plan your life one or two days ahead because you didn't know when a medical trip might be required and things like this. So it really changes the way that you live life and, and sort of perceive it moving ahead of time. 
Um, of course, there's the more immediate things like financial stress and um, you know medical fees and um, just the anxiety of not knowing exactly how the next treatment round is going to go and things like this. And um, obviously, you know, you love your parents so much. So, you know, you want to see them thrive and they want to see you thrive. And, um, you know, there's this kind of you're finding this this um, really gentle balance between walking and care. So you want to be really immediate and present with each other. Um, but you also want to still, like mum and dad were committed to, I think, and our whole family to the extent we could be, um, you know, finding the joy um, intentionally, you know, in each, you know, day by day and week by week that God was providing. So, um, yeah, so that, that's just sort of the the overview in terms of the context. I think um, it shaped my life probably in ways that I'm, I'm still discovering. <laughs> um, I think, I'm sure it takes, I, it's, it's the journey of grief, which I think is a, a years long process for anyone, um, let alone somebody who isn't, you're not, you're like you said before, you're not a naturally melancholic person. You're not somebody who just kind of dives straight into the grief and just kind of, you know, gets absorbed in it and then kind of moves on. You're somebody who you keep living life and you sort of, I understand, process it in the background and kind of just keep moving through life and see how it shapes you as time goes on. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, absolutely. That's me to a T. I think I've come to appreciate throughout this sort of that, that throughout the season of life that I've been able to appreciate the melancholy, the bittersweet so much more, you know, and, and really I think there's a lot of sort of dichotomy, false dichotomies that uh, in terms of the way we understand and experience emotion and feeling that have kind of broken down. And I'm like, oh, you can feel many feelings at the same time. You know, it's, uh, you know, bittersweet is, is a thing, you know, that brings this real, um, you know, beauty to life that I, I'd potentially miss beforehand. Uh, if you, if anyone, of, of, um, if any of your listeners have seen Inside Out, the movie, uh, Joy, the main character, that's me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can, I can confirm. Um, I've, I've never once seen you not smiling. Um, it's, it's a permanent state of being and it's, um, it's a very delightful thing. You can, even when you're crying, you've been smiling at the same time. Um, it's just, it's just a feature of you as a person. So I definitely agree. And I think the, the learning that she experiences in that film, right, is so, it's quite profound. I mean, the way the animators and storytellers shape that is amazing, but she's sort of learning that at the beginning of the movie, you know, there's these memories um, of the uh, memories of the main character that are being kind of, you know, stored. And, and you know, initially she's trying to keep them all perfectly joyous and bright yellow. Um, and then as the movie progresses, the the main character, as well as, as her and her friends, you know, discover that actually life is full of the most meaningful and rich memories often have a combination of many feelings and emotions integrated within them. And I think that was kind of something that I've, I've sort of realised in that period. I've, when it, at about year 10, uh, sorry, like year 10 of that 13 years, mum's health was sort of, you know, steadily kind of um, deteriorating a little a little more every day. And, and I think there was this real wrestle in my heart, my faith life about, okay, so God, God sees and acknowledges what's happening. Um, I need to have the faith to believe that he can heal my mum. And uh, I think 
within that, there was a real hesitancy to acknowledge the fear and the anxiety I was experiencing because um, um, I, I didn't feel, I think there was a feeling within my heart that if I acknowledged the full degree of the fear and the, the, the grief and the anxiety I was experiencing, that somehow that was discrediting the sovereignty of God in the situation. And um, I didn't realise that both could be true, you know, that I could be feeling, feeling a lot of fear and anxiety and grief and resting in the sovereignty of God. Uh, 18, 20-year-old Ben, I don't think could put, could sort of integrate those things together. Um, and I, I think, you know, hitting the decade mark in mum's, in, in our sort of, um, that journey through mum's um, cancer treatment, by year 10, um, I, I remembered that, I remember looking back, I remember that um, it was, and it was kind of, you know, it was a lot of like healing grief in going through these memories, right? And like reflecting on it in the last few years. But I remember, yeah, about year 10 or so, um, I my prayer life had begun to be increasingly built around things, around prayers that I felt God could answer. So instead of praying for mum to be healed completely, I started praying that, um, maybe the cancer would sort of, you know, um, uh, you know, lessen in severity a little bit, uh, that the symptoms would become easier to manage that week. Um, as the years went on, I kind of, my prayer life decreased to things that I felt were much more tangible for God, like achievements he could manage, you know, <laughs> that I could celebrate. Um, and so I started praying for things like that mum would be able to eat breakfast okay or that would be able to walk up and down the veranda, you know, because that was our one exercise thing a day I kind of, tried to be a little PT <laughs> in the middle there somewhere. Um, and, but deep inside I was, I was, I was hurting big time. Um, and I wasn't really sharing that grief with everyone. I felt like I had to be really strong. I was trying my best to sort of carry my family emotionally. I think I knew I was aware that I was carrying the weightiness of mum's treatment. I remember I was at work one day and mum had been going in for a, a checkup that day and I'd forgotten about it. At least I thought I had. But I remember my dad called me at my afternoon tea break at work. I was working in um, the information centre at Melbourne Uni at the time. And I left for afternoon tea break. And dad said, oh, he said, just so you know, mum's um, check-in results came back. He said, you know, she's, she's you know, all clear for now. Um, or, you know, things are stabilising, I think it was at the time. And I just felt like I was 10 kilos lighter. <laughs> I was on the phone call. I thought, oh, I thought, oh my goodness, I've been carrying that around, that weight of expectation around all day. I had no idea. So um, I think it was learning, you know, that weight I was I was trying to carry um, and unsuccessfully. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, about the yeah, 10 year mark, I hit this crisis point in my life where I think I'd, I'd, I'd had a back injury, I think for whatever reason, and um, probably exacerbated by by stress and I remember sitting at the physio after treatment and I just I could take you to that place Kira I don't know exactly where it was which car park and I just I just fell apart like I remember I remember just crying and crying and crying and I, I was almost like a, a conversation between me and God at that point was like if I could put into a sentence, it was like me going, right, Lord, like, right, like, lip, I'm, I'm going to, I've tried to hold it together and, you know, um, you know, uh, 
ensure that I, you know, I've, I've been trying to do my best to, to keep this all together and acknowledge your sovereignty in this situation, Lord, and, and I'm cracked. I can't do it anymore. So now I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel and I'm going to let you have it. And I did. And I had, I just chatted and I, I just, you know, it was like, blah, 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 blah. and just, um, this is so unfair. This is so, I don't know where you are. Why are you letting this happen? You know, we, mum didn't deserve this. We didn't deserve this. Why are we, why is this happening? And um, I, I just remember I was so teary and I was just crying out to God for what well, seemed like hours and hours. It was probably only, only one, but I remember getting to, a, I just realized my prayer life had dried up completely and, and I'd hit this crisis point where I was like, I need to acknowledge all this anxiety and grief I'm experiencing before God, because I can't hold it in. And I felt like I was letting him down and doing that. But I realized at the time after that, um, when those healing tears had kind of come through, there was this real sense that God was saying to me, like, there was this sense of relief and release in that. And God saying, like, I just remember this one word that came through that was, and I'm not someone who, you know, as, we, as most of us say, I'm not someone who hears from God very audibly very often, um, but I definitely did at this point in my life. And I think God knew I needed it, but he sort of said, there was a sense of him saying, oh, finally, <laughs> thanks matey for releasing that to me. I know what you've been experiencing. Like now we can, now we can start healing. So there was, and the thing, the words that stuck with me were like, finally, thanks for releasing that to me. Thanks. Or thanks for telling me now we can start healing. And, um, it was beautiful. And then I started crying again, but, but <laughs> this time it was because I was such a deep sense of peace in there. And um, yeah, to, yeah, just crying again. Yeah, just feel the tears coming as I'm sharing now. But mm. um, it was great because, you know, I realized that actually I could be real with God and I could acknowledge how I was feeling. He could see it anyway. And his heart was breaking too. And I, he wasn't, he, he doesn't sort of, you know, he's not separate from us. He's not like distant from us in times of grief. Like he's right there. And um, yeah, it was such a nice moment. And, and the last, and the three years after that, um, as mum progressively got much, a little bit more ill and then finally passed away three years later, uh, medically those three years were the, were the trickiest and most complex of the whole period. But, um, I had such a, and they were challenging. They were really challenging. I definitely had times when I had to go back to God and just re-release everything to him. But by and large, those three years were, there was such a deep sense of peace and a deep sense of rest. And I realized that, yeah, I really could release that to God. Like I'd been, I felt like I was trying to carry my family through that time, whatever that meant. <laughs> I think emotionally, I felt like I was somehow helping but I think God, um, so my heart was in the right place in the sense that I was trying my best to be the best helper and carer I could be. But I think God was reminding me that he was carrying me and he was carrying my family. I'd been able to accept that he was, I, I felt like I could be, I could do it on my own. No worries. Like God didn't have to carry me. I was fine. Like I could manage it. Or even if I crumbled, that was still fine because I could manage it, it would be okay. But releasing my family to God was really challenging. And I think that, um, I knew theologically they were safer in his hands than mine. But if you'd asked me to visualize sort of passing them across into his hands, I don't think I could have until that point when I cracked and that crisis hit. 
Um, and then, yeah, there was this real piece that he was he was there, he was present, he was um, so close, and he was um, so yeah. The the relationship with him experience then was like so warm and deep and tender and gentle, and there was this understanding of like, yeah, he his heart was breaking too, and it was this amazing sort of realization that we are in relationship with the heavenly father who completely experiences our pain um and he he cries with us and um he he sees it and he's like hey yeah this isn't right this isn't this this is difficult this is really difficult um and i'm with you in this and um you know let, let's heal together and and yeah it was just really it really shaped my life um and and, and since then um you know especially in the last five years as the um, adrenaline's kind of, I guess, you know, eased and I've kind of realised that I was living with these, this kind of crisis mentality in my life, um, that's kind of, you know, eased off over time. I think the long-term healing has well and truly begun and I'm so grateful for that, grateful for amazing counsellors who have helped me through that journey, grateful for amazing friends and family who I can externally process with and, um, you know, articulate thoughts and feelings that I can't articulate very well at all, but are nevertheless real. Um, and they accept me with those. And it's okay that things are, I can't really clearly see exactly how I'm feeling. And um, that's okay. And just that acceptance of, um, you know, that, that real grittiness of my faith coming through, that real resilience in it, and that sense of, um yeah kind of kind of going oh okay cool so not only can I be real with myself accept my feelings and emotions without judgment on whether they should be right and Christian-ish or more or less <laughs> um, um and sort of taking away um that sense of you know I believe God is this but I feel this and sort of replacing that but with an end and being able to say like oh I believe God is this in my life and I feel this way, <laughs> I have these feelings and emotions, and those things are part of this integrated picture of being a full person. Um, and there's a thriving in that and a resilience and a greetiness of faith in that that I think probably has only been built, <laughs> especially in my prayer life, and that sort of raw realness of that um, through, yeah, these real, you know, difficult seasons of life. And I'm so grateful for it. Uh, and I know I'm grateful that, you know, faith is a life-learning thing and, that God, um, yeah, well, well, is able to, he's so present and real um, in crises and times of great need. And he's very present in times that are really full of joy. And also, you know, when we're really, we find it easy to be kind and gentle and caring for ourselves and we experience that. So, um, yeah, that consistency and steadfastness um, has been a beautiful thing. And I think these days, if I, if I experience crises, I bring that into my prayer life as like, in all its rawness, like I, I sort of don't need to, I don't sort of feel the need to um, shape it beautifully. Um, I kind of just, I'm like, Lord, um, you've been so steadfast to me. Uh, and so, you know, genuinely kind and, and caring to me. Um, and you completely understand everything I'm experiencing. I'm just going to, let's just chat this through God. Like I just need, I need some time. Like I just need to just like chat to you right now about this thing. Um, and he gets me and I love that. So yeah, it's, it's completely changed from a decade ago and I'm so grateful. 
Thank you so much for sharing that. I think many people in life, I mean, I know you and I have had very different experiences in life, but some of our uh, shared, like the overlapping experiences that we've had of having unwell parents have kind of shaped us in similar ways. And we've kind of talked a fair bit about that, about our shared anxieties and that 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 constant living in crisis mode. And it's just amazing to hear how God, how your relationship with God has kind of, how it, it thrives with you as a whole person who is uh, complex and has complex emotions. Well, thank you so much, Ben. It's been an absolute pleasure once again. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Kira. Pleasure. You've been listening to Everyday Saints. Everyday Saints is hosted and edited by me, Carolina Cole, with help from Elspeth Kernibone, Michelle Harris, Janan Taylor, and Maya Pilbrow. Graphics by Julian Karajic. If you have a suggestion for our podcast, please email me directly at knicole at melbourneanglican.org.au.